It's time for another episode of Espresso Yourself with Chuck. And now, coming to the mic, your host, Mr. Chuck Knapp. All right. Well, we are excited to have Coach Byron Samuels with us, a friend of the JAG-K program. We had about 300 students who had the opportunity to hear him speak at our leadership development conference at Wichita State University, October 12th. And a lot of students came up to me afterward asking for his contact information because they wanted to reach out to him and, and uh, I I just follow up, I think probably thank him. uh, But, but also uh, I think maybe get some additional advice. And so I thought it would be great if we could just get him on Espresso Yourself with Chuck and talk about some of the things he mentioned at the LDC, but also dig in a little bit more into some of the other things he does. He has uh, an organization or a program called Think Ahead USA, and, and I want to visit with him about that a little bit. But but first, welcome to Espresso Yourself with Chuck. Well, thank you, Chuck. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. I think the world of you and and what you're doing in your heart for young people. So thanks for having me. Well, I I see that you're wearing and and thank you for pulling over and visiting with us. You have a very busy schedule and uh, we we appreciate that you were able to to fit some time in today and, and obviously coming out to Wichita. But I see you're wearing an NBA Academy shirt. So I want to talk <laughs> a little bit about that at some point. But I'd really like to just start with you telling us a little bit about your background, you know, where you grew up, um, how you got involved in, in b- basketball and, and some of the other things that came along, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. No, no problem. Uh, well, I am the youngest of six children. Um, grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, Probably the, the biggest influence in my life is my, was my grandmother. I, my, my wife doesn't like me to say that, and my, my mother, sometimes my kids, but uh, my work, my grandmother uh, taught me my work ethic, uh, taught me the importance of little details. Uh, I played high school basketball. I played football. Football, as a matter of fact, was my first love. Uh, and uh, I ended up going to college, playing high school uh, basketball at UNC Asheville. Um, and I was originally, you know, when I was at UNC Asheville, I was very active in student government and some other clubs. I was a resident assistant. Uh, and so I just always stayed busy, sometimes too busy, but I would much rather be busy than not. Uh, and, and for my days at UNC Asheville, I uh, I really wanted to become a college professor or work in higher education. And, and so uh, I've got my degree in management. Uh, and it's so funny, coming out of Asheville, it was either go to get your master's degree, uh, PhD, and teach. Or uh, in this country, you know, if you can find a product that you can sell, I think you can make a lot of money. That was my thinking back when I was coming out of college. Uh, and I interviewed for a couple of pharmaceutical companies and I didn't get those jobs. And so I just took that as a sign. I was going to go to grad school. My, 
I'm supposed to be uh, a college professor. Well, on my way, and I, and, and I was accepted, and was going to go to the University of Illinois, Champaign, Urbana, the, the fight in the Illini. And uh, on my way to the University of Illinois, I stopped and spent the night uh, in Memphis with a college teammate of mine, ex-college teammate of mine. And as, as a good Southern boy would do, call back and let my mother know that uh, I'm in Memphis. I'm spending the night at Randy's house. And I'm getting up in the morning and headed to Illinois. She said, uh, call this person, call that person. One person she said call was called a guy by the name of Randy Smith. I called Randy and he said, uh, listen, would you, would you want to go to Ireland and play basketball for a year? <laughs> so after a 10-hour drive from Winston-Salem, North Carolina to Memphis, the following morning, instead of making the trek to University of Illinois, I drove back to Winston-Salem. Uh, about a week later, less than a week, uh, I was in Dublin, Ireland, playing basketball. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, and, and these were the good old days where you could go, and I didn't have a passport. So after driving 10 hours back to North Carolina, I had to drive another seven hours to Washington, D.C., get a passport, and then drive back to North Carolina. So... So at that point, so clearly you made a, a pretty quick decision to change your path at, at that point, maybe not the overall path, but sure. what, so what went into that decision of, you know what, I think playing basketball in Ireland would be a great idea. Um, so how did you make that decision? I have always been fascinated with travel. Uh, and I had a brother-in-law. And, and I just visited with him and I thanked him uh, that was in the Navy. And, and as he would travel all around the world, I'm in high school and college, he would always say, man, there's a great big world out there. See it, go see it, travel the world. So his advice was travel. And then I had other family members, I had an aunt and uncle that traveled quite a bit. And it's like, go see this world. And, and so I, it was easy for me to just, because I'd heard that growing up, travel, travel. I'd never been out of the United States at that point. And so I just did it. I just, and, and part of me, even though I was really fired up about the University of Illinois, they were very gracious to me and accepting me and providing me with monies to, to go there. Um, I still had that basketball bug in me still maybe a little bit as most athletes do and so so that that was that was it and and i don't regret it one bit uh, ireland was incredible and and through basketball and connections in ireland and other places and i still stay in touch with jerry and claire and doogee and um uh, a few other cats from ireland you know this is and again that was 40 almost 40 years ago um, well, 40 plus years ago, well, almost 40 years ago, but, uh, but it was fascinating. And, 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 and the, and the one thing I learned in Ireland and that I continue to learn as I visit other countries, people are the same. People are the same. There's not as many differences as we would make it out to be. Uh, people want the same things they want. 
good jobs. They want their children to be safe. They want food on the table, maybe a little money in the bank, the opportunity to take a vacation. That doesn't change. I've been blessed to have visited 29 different countries and not just visit, spend some time there, quality time there. And I just say, you know, people really aren't that different. And somehow we make that out to be, well, this and that, those people are that way and those people are that way. And it's just really not that way in my, my experiences. Wow. So you mentioned that you got the advice to travel. Um, what was, and maybe it was that, but what was the best piece of advice you ever received from someone? Wow. I, I don't know that I can answer that in one, you know, the, the advice I got from my grandmother that I mentioned in, in Wichita was, and always do a good job because people will always see what you don't do versus that was a great piece of advice for me. Um, you know, fast forward to my coaching career, and I was just asked this about a week ago, uh, what would a younger Byron tell himself as he got into coaching? Well, someone told me, said, it doesn't always have to be your way. You know? Uh, that was a good piece of advice. Uh, the piece of advice about traveling, that was a good, so I just, one piece of advice, I'd have to think about that. Uh, it, you know, as we were getting married, uh, two of my college professors, they were at our wedding, they gave us, gave us a plaque. Uh, my wife and I have been married 30 years. And on that plaque, it says, uh, no, and no, not the plaque, the card that they wrote says, listen, says, you will agree on the big things. This is don't let the little things tear you apart. Mm. You know, so, and, and, and over the course of 30 years, it hasn't been the big things, you know, the raising the kids or the finances. It's, it's always been just the little things that annoy you that, that aren't worth fighting about, but you fight over them anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyone that's been married knows what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. I have been married and am married and it's been 27 years. So we're behind you, but uh, I would concur. Um, and sometimes it's a little thing, but you make it a big thing. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's um, right. You, you uh, uh, no, please. Oh, well, you'd mentioned coaching. And so, how did you get into coaching? You went to Ireland, you played, and then did you did you go into coaching from there or did you play again internationally or or what got you into coaching? Because obviously yeah. that's an opportunity to teach, which is what you said you kind of wanted to do. That was a passion. So how did that all transpire? Yeah, I I I, I just I got the best of both worlds. When I got back from Ireland, I went back to Winston-Salem. And I was and, and and I was just okay. I, I need to reapply to the University of Illinois. I, you know, I, I really still want to go back to graduate school. I, the only reason I didn't go back to Ireland because they offered me a contract to go back was just that a little small antenna or voice in my head said, "Remember what you really want to do. Just remember what you really want to do, and that was to teach." And so as I getting ready to do paperwork to, to resubmit things to the University of Illinois. An old uh, 
high school coach, AAU coach called me and, and he had just taken a job at Western Carolina University. And he says, Mike Palmer, who, who is a headhunter now in the Atlanta area, he said, hey, Byron, I know you're planning on going to graduate school. We have a need for a graduate assistant at Western Carolina University. We think you'd be great. You're a former player. Uh, you can relate. Uh, and so I thought about that. I, I trusted Mike. I had a good relationship with Mike. and and so that's what I did. And, and it, it ended up the best of both worlds, coaching, teaching, uh, and selling every day, every day as a coach, you're selling. What are you selling? Well, you're selling to players, style of play. You're selling to recruits. Hey, this is how our program can benefit you. You're having to sell the administration about your plans, your philosophy, your mission, your roles, and your goals for your program and how it benefits the university. And you're constantly teaching. You're constantly teaching young men. And so I got the best of both worlds. And so that's kind of how I got into coaching was Mike Palmer calling me and asking me if I wanted to be a graduate assistant in Western Carolina. Uh, and, 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 and it was just meant to be because while I was at Western Carolina, uh, and it used to be a rival school to UNC Asheville, which are only about 45 minutes apart, uh, I met my wife, I got my master's degree, and I got into coaching. So it was a trifecta for me uh, making that move. And so, uh, and I haven't looked back since. I know you you shared a story with us at the LDC uh, when you were a younger uh, person. Maybe all of that um, coaching and and um, you know, being a, a, a teacher, if you will, may not have been on your radar when you were young. There was, there was an interaction with an assistant principal you shared with us that, uh, it, it sounded like had some impact on your life. Would you mind telling us that story? Yeah. Mr. Herman Green, God rest his soul. Uh, he is, um, Again, I, I just share the stories where I was cutting up in class. I was just a little rambunctious, uh, seventh grader, sixth grader, fifth grader, fourth grader, probably all of those years. But by the time I'd gotten to Northwest Middle School uh, and I was cutting up in a home economics class, Mr. Herman Green sent me down to his office, got my attention, spanked my rear end real good, sat me down and uh, looked me straight in the face and he said, Samuel, you're a smart kid. He, he stopped being such a cut up and start thinking about going to college. And it just planted a seed. It just planted a seed. And again, I, mind you, Chuck, I had teachers and administrators in my family. As a matter of fact, my mom used to teach. And, but no one up to that point had said what Mr. Herman Green said. Uh, so he thought enough of me, one, to discipline me, and then two, encourage me. And, and so that was profound. So maybe you, to go back to your uh, earlier question, the, the, the best bit, bit of advice, it may have come from Herman Green, start thinking about going to college. Stop being a cut up and start thinking about going to college. And, and again, I grew up in a time where I really, I, in a lot of ways, you know, my fourth grade math teacher lived across the street from my grandmother. Uh, I had some in, a history teacher that 
her, her husband worked with my mother. Uh, and all around our circles, I knew our teachers. And if we cut up, or if we did anything that was not proper, it got back to our parents. It got back to my mother. It got back to our family. Uh, and uh, uh, so teachers, so you, yeah, you're right. Uh, maybe through those interactions, I, you know, I was being prepared to to to, to be in in the, in the teacher role. Mm-hmm. When you when you uh, got to be a coach, you you started as a grad assistant, but but you worked your way up to be a head coach. So, how did that process work? And then, at what point did you start to work for the NBA, and then kind of pursue some of these other things that you've you've done here recently? Yeah, I I, I coached for thirty years. Uh, uh, I loved coaching. I loved my kids being around higher education. That was important to our family. I lo- enjoyed the travel. Um, you know, I, I set a goal, and and I'm not even sure. I've always sort of been goal driven, and I, I look back at notebooks, even from high school and college, about some things that I wanted to accomplish. But I I could. I need to go find it and just take a picture of it and, and, and carry it with me. Uh, in the fall of 1988, I said, you know, I wanted to be a division one head coach by the time I was 30. Uh, and, uh, and sure enough, you know, I turned 30 in May 3rd, 1995. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, I became a head coach at Hampton university in that March, I believe. And, uh, but I just worked toward it. So I, I, I found mentors. I found mentors, people that were, uh, I was impressed with in their, in coaching. And I, and I was able to connect with them and ask them questions. So that would be one thing. You know, find mentors. Who is doing what you think you'd like to do? See if you can't build a relationship with them. And, and maybe follow them around or email or call or text and just ask them questions. Um, and, and, and in doing so, you know, I set a pretty high bar for myself and I was, you know, just blessed to, to be able to read it. I mean, to reach it. Uh, let, let me, I want to go back, Chuck, if I can, to, to a thing that I learned uh, from three people in, in my college days at UNC Asheville that were really important to me. Uh, you know, one was a guidance a counselor, Lomax Fonville, Linda Lisnarski, Don Lisnarski, they were professors. Uh, he said, Byron, create a, a board of directors in your life, create a board of directors. But what is, what, why do I need to, I'm a college student, why am I creating a board of directors? He said, no, here's what the board will do for you. List maybe seven to 10, 12 people in your life that you respect and that uh, you may want to follow in their paths. Uh, and, or uh, it may be some, a family member, it may be someone in business, it may be a teacher, it may be, but it may be a best friend. And when you have a decision to make or when you're contemplating an action or doing something, ask yourself, what would my board do? What would my board say? And so you ask those people, 
And so, so I'm asking Chuck and I'm asking my mother and maybe I'm asking my wife at this stage of my life. Uh, maybe I'm asking, you know, best man at my wedding, but I'm, instead of just jumping into something, uh, get outside conversations from your board, an imaginary board, but it's a real board at the same time. Basically what you're doing, you're soliciting just their thoughts. Now you don't have to agree with them because I think you've got to follow your passion. And I think sometimes too much, some input can be too much input. Uh, so I think sometimes input can stifle uh, passion, but but you want to be passionate and move in the correct direction. So uh, so I, I don't I just wanted to say that. But but I, I was fortunate. Worked real hard for two years at Hampton University. Took the program from Division Two to Division One. My former college coach, Jerry Green, got the head coaching job at the University of Tennessee from the University of Oregon. Uh, he had not been in the Southeast, but he basically wanted to put together a staff of guys that had kind of been in the Southeast. And I played for him at UNC Astro. I told the story about uh, him and General George C. Patton and Doers, Doubters, and Dogs in Wichita. Uh, he would be shocked to know that that stuck with me all these years. Um, um, but uh, so I went to Tennessee and from Tennessee, head coach at Radford University. Uh, and about the time I was leaving Radford University, I knew I, there was something else that I wanted to do. And I hadn't found it yet. And so I needed to continue to provide for my family. So I continued to coach uh, and, until uh, I got fired, if you will, for the last time at Florida A&M. And my heart was set that Ministry was kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, then an opportunity presented itself to work for Adidas uh, in China. Uh, that led to me working with the NBA in China. Uh, and, uh, you know, China's a wonderful place. I would go back tomorrow just because I think the people are a lot more like us than they aren't. I thought the food was good, and I'm amazed at how they can move 1.5 billion people around so easily between planes and rails and subways and all the ways they do it uh, is fascinating to me. Uh, while I was in China, uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, you know, he knew that, you know, for five or so years prior in the conversations that we had, and he's on my board. This is a guy that I talk to regularly. I, I met, we met, as a matter of fact, at a, going to an AAU event in Arkansas the, the same year we both got on the road uh, as recruiters. So, you know, we've got this 28-year relationship. Uh, and he had a conversation with someone with USAYO, and they were doing ministry in New Mexico area and they were looking for someone to fill this void. Uh, and they thought a coach uh, would be the perfect, a retired coach, so to speak, would be the perfect person. Um, and again, three times I said no, because uh, I would think we were living in Florida at the time and, and my wife and I were thinking, you know, hey, if we're gonna go anywhere, we're gonna move back to North Carolina. My wife is also from North Carolina. 
but it just wasn't meant to be. And so I just trusted uh, in uh, my heart, uh, trusted in uh, the feedback that I was getting that this was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, there are, I said this in Wichita as well, there are a lot of people who have uh, all the answers, but no solutions. Uh, I want to try to be a solution. And, and, and sometimes in doing so, you have to take chances. And so we moved out here and then just, just constantly we're just working with youth groups and youth ministries and the Navajo Nation. Uh, I do some substitute teaching just as a way to get to know minister, administrators and teachers uh, and uh, give me an opportunity to pour into to the lives of young people. So, I mean, it's been, we've been out here three and a half years. It's been fascinating. Uh, USAYO is an incredible uh, organization. Uh, and uh, and that's how it, they, USAYO led me to you uh, because at a conference in Arkansas, I met a gentleman that uh, was part of our conference, uh, the mentoring conference in, in, in uh, Oklahoma. So uh, it's been a great run, uh, Chuck, and, and I've been blessed beyond uh, description. So the I heard you talk several times to some of the young the the young men at the conference you and I were attending and and you had an acronym that you used um and and i can't remember all the specifics of it do you know what i'm re referencing sure uh it uh, when we were in tampa florida and, and i'm trying to get it started here in new mexico just haven't had the time to dig into a nonprofit called think ahead usa and uh the I, I did some volunteer work at the Salvation Army many, many years ago in, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I just remember going home and I'm talking to my wife who were newly married and saying, and I'm really concerned about these kids because it seems like they just don't have, you know, a game plan for, for, for what's going on next in their life. And so how can we help them come up with a game plan for their life? And because uh, some of these kids, they just didn't know. And uh, and so I won't go into the story of how I came up with the name. Uh, old great Harold Melvin and the Blue Note song, uh, Wake Up Everybody, I guess I did anyway. But there's a line in that song that says, wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed, no more backwards thinking, time for thinking ahead. And in the song, it talks about the promise of young people and tomorrow. And we've got to do a better job teaching and, and, and preaching and living and all of those things. We've just got to do a better job. And so, hence, Think Ahead USA. And I really emphasize the word think before I even get into the acronym, because I just want to encourage young people to to, to, to not just go outside the box, but destroy the box in terms of how they think. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, and, and, and I hear it from players, my nieces and nephews. L listen, the way that 
movie stars and rock stars and rap stars and athletes, how they live and, and, and think about their life is different than how you should be thinking about your life right now. Just because someone famous says something doesn't make it true, doesn't make it right, doesn't make it correct for you. So learn how to think and reason and discern on your own before you just go with the flow because someone famous said something. Because um, I think an awful lot of people can get hemmed up, if you will, trying to think like, you know, how boring would this world be if we all thought the same? So we've got to think differently. But we also have to get information so that we can think better uh, in our situations. Um, uh, so that's the think part. Because uh, I, I, I think we can, we can get in the herds and the herds are thinking the same way. But you know that one little pig, that one little calf gets spared because they just ain't following the herd that day. And, and so, so, so learn how to think, reason, and, and make the best decision that you can based on the information that's relevant to you. And then, so what are we thinking about? So we're thinking about our attitude. That's the first A in the acronym. Think about our attitude. Uh, you know, every day is a good day. You know, some are better than others. That's just every, but every day is a good day. That's attitude. Uh, so we greet people, greet people with a smile, a firm handshake, be excited about the day. That's attitude. My mother used to drive this home all the time. Your attitude would determine your altitude. Before they put it on posters, before it was best-selling books, I heard it all my life. Your attitude would determine your altitude. Yeah. There's an awful lot for us to be sour about. What's there to be happy about? There's more to be happy about. And so, so check your attitude, you know, uh, you know, ha have an attitude of gratitude. So what else are we thinking about? So think attitude, think hard work. Now, uh, every time I go around shopping or traveling, everybody's got help wanted signs. People are dying to get people to work. And I, don't, I can't figure it out. I'm not a politician. I'm not an economic person. Uh, but I do know this. Hard work makes good things happen. So think hard work. Nothing good is going to come your way without hard work. It's a good thing, and it makes good things happen. Okay. So work hard. Embrace work. Because sometimes you say it's going to take, you know, you look at, I can, you know, you can look at people sometimes. You gotta, you're going to take hard work to get there. And they look at you like, hmm, I got to work hard? It's like, almost like it's a disease or something. This, <laughs> it's not. So we've got to embrace this thing, even now that hard work is a good thing. So that's what we're thinking about. We're thinking about our attitude. We're thinking about hard work. We're thinking about education. We're thinking about a lifetime, a lifetime of learning. 
you know, uh, I can't tell you what all my economics books or history books or management books said or said, but uh, I learned in those books. But more importantly, I learned outside of those books in the classrooms with discussions with teachers, with professors, with uh, uh, classmates in the debate, you know, uh, and I can't remember who said it. One of, could have been a founding father, could have been someone else. So there are two educations. There are two educations. One that teaches us how to earn a living and one that teaches us how to live. Okay, but so, but develop a love for learning. Develop a love for learning. I should tell my teams all the time, learn to listen, listen to learn. Learn to listen, listen to develop a life. So think attitude, think hard work, think education, think accountability. That's the other A in the acronym. Think accountability. No one is responsible for your successes or failures more than you. And most of the time, our successes or failures are something, especially our failings, is because of something that we did or said or didn't say or didn't do. I could talk an hour about the mistakes I've made in my life. Some part is look, it's a look in the mirror, right? And do that self audit. You know, what did Byron do that, you know, created this situation, but we have to be accountable. And then lastly, after we thought about our attitude, we thought about hard work, thought about education, we thought about accountability. We got to think about being determined. We got to be relentless in the pursuit of what we want. So think determination. If you take your eyes off the basket, you can't make it. If you're not looking at the pot, you can't make the pot. Uh, You know, if we take our eye off the goal, all we see are what distractions and negativity and you can't because there are always people that are saying you shouldn't, you can't, it won't work. No, 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 no. We're going to be determined and we're going to be focused and we're going to be committed to this, whatever goal, dream, aspiration. And we're not going to take our minds off of it until we reach it. And if we fall short, again, we can look ourselves in the mirror and say, I did my best and, and and let the rest just play where it is. Yeah. Well, Byron Samuels, you have been generous with your time. I know you have another commitment coming up that you need to drive to. So we don't want you to be late for that. (laughs) Thank you again for joining us to espresso yourself. You got it. I love that title, by the way. (laughs) And let me just add one other thing too, because I love what Jag K represents, what it is doing, uh, the members of your staff, uh, so many to name. And, and, and uh, But if I can ever do anything to support what you guys are doing, I'm all in uh, because I think it's so important and, um, and so worthwhile. So I'm so impressed. Thank you. Travel safe. Thank you, brother. We'll be in touch. 